Now, scriptures from Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We'll read verses 1 to 3. Philippians 4 and verse 1. Would you please stand for the reading of scripture? Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion or true yoke fellow, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And may God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that by the power of your spirit you would come and speak to us. That you would open our eyes, that we would see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, high and lifted up. That you would open our ears, that we would hear the voice of our good shepherd and follow him. That you would open our hearts, that we would receive him gladly and offer ourselves to him promptly and sincerely in spite of of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. Be seated, please. Are you a team player? Throughout the book of Philippians, Paul has called for unity over and over again. So you get the idea there was some division in that church. Other than that, from what we can tell, reading Philippians, it appears to have been a reasonably healthy and happy church. Well, here as in this passage, as we come to the final chapter, Paul hits the problem in Philippi dead on. He calls out the specific division in the church and even calls out people by name. And we'll get into that. But first, I want us to think about something together. You remember when Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman at the well at Sychar, John 4. Had a long conversation. But at one point, Jesus said to her that the Father is seeking people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is seeking worshipers. Not because he is some narcissist up in the sky who needs to be praised or he gets depressed and cranky. No, the Father is seeking worshipers because it is to our good, to our advantage to worship God. If we worship God, we won't worship money or sex or entertainment or work or the people we love and crush them. No, we must worship God and God alone or we will destroy ourselves. It is imperative. It is urgent. It is a matter of life and death, of heaven and hell that we worship God. And so because he loves us and has our best interest at heart, God the Father is seeking people to worship him. 
But you know, there is at least one place, there's one circumstance where Jesus says, put off worship. There's something even more urgent, more pressing, more imperative than the thing the Father is seeking. What on earth could it be? Hold that thought. And let's look at this passage together. First, in this passage, you see a strengthening love. A strengthening love. Look at verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Now, uh, some say this verse goes with a previous uh, passage, but it's a transition. You see that first word, therefore. Because of what he's been talking about, therefore. Paul has been talking about how we are not perfect. No one is. No Christian is perfect. And yet we are to press on, to strain and stretch. He uses the language of a race. And we're all in this race together. None of us has arrived, but we're all striving together. And then he said our real citizenship is in heaven. We're on the way home. We're not home yet. We're all strangers, aliens, pilgrims in this world. Therefore, Paul says, I love you. I long for you. You are my joy and crown. I'm proud of you. You see, the church is an outpost of heaven in this world. It's a place where the citizens of heaven can gather in a strange world. And we can do together as we gather what we will do in heaven. Worship God together. Our church is people. It's not a building. It's people. But it's also not one individual. Some folk say, I have heard it said, I don't have to go to church. I have my church wherever I am. You know what the word church means? It means assembly. Hebrew, kahal, or Greek, ecclesia, assembly. One individual off by himself is not an assembly. I know plenty of good, fine Christian people. If they're traveling on the Lord's Day, have a little private family devotion. I've always tried to get to a church, to a public worship service get my family to a church don't think I'm any better than anybody else just saying we're supposed to be a part of a public assembly and this assembly is supposed to love each other 
And notice what Paul says in verse 1, sandwiched in the middle of him telling them how much he loves them on either end of it is a command. You see it? Stand firm in the Lord. You see, it's being surrounded by the love of God's people that enables us to stand firm in Him. We don't stand alone against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We can't. We have to be surrounded by the love of the assembly. You see a strengthening love. Secondly, in this passage, you see a call to unity. A call to unity. Dr. Guy Smith is here this morning. He once, 40 years ago or more, had a call to unity, Unity ARP Church. Uh, here's a call to unity. Look at verse 2. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also, I ask you also, true companion or yoke fellow, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. This was the trouble in Philippi. Euodia and Syntyche. And from this text, we learn five things about Euodia and Syntyche. First, we see that they were divided. Paul says, I entreat Euodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Not only was there disagreement and division between these two individuals, it was beginning to divide the congregation. Secondly, we learn that they were women. He says in verse 3, help these women. Now, I'm not picking on you today. One of the worst divisions in Scripture involved the Apostle Paul himself. Men are as bad to get divided, if not worse. But Paul and Barnabas almost came to blows and split up. Barnabas took John Mark and went one way. Paul took Silas and went another. Now the Lord actually used that. That's how Paul got to Philippi in the first place and started the church of the Philippians. Paul and Barnabas fell out at the end of Acts 15, split up at the beginning of Acts 16, Paul sees a vision and heads to Macedonia and comes to Philippi. And if you keep reading, you will find that the first people Paul found in Philippi were a group of women gathered for a prayer meeting at the river. And the first person to be converted and become a Christian was a woman named Lydia. Her name has lived on. We have our own Lydia having her first communion here today. So like many churches, from the very beginning, women were the backbone of the church at Philippi. In my experience, as a pastor of three churches and an intern in another, a church is as strong as its women. If you have strong women, you have a strong church. Now, a few weeks ago, when my oldest boy fell off his bike and cracked his elbow, Anna was at work. Pearl was, in the di- was sitting at the dining room table. Thomas was uh, taking a nap. I had the other three 
playing in the yard, and I saw the accident. I went running to John. I scooped him up in my arms and sat down and held him. And I did what every other father has done alone with a hurt child. I sat there and held him and rubbed his head and said the sweetest things I could think of helplessly as he sat in my lap and screamed, Mama! 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 call me a dinosaur if you want to, <laughs> but it is a plain fact of nature that a man cannot comfort a hurting person like a woman, and church members need comfort when sick or bereft or going through whatever rough patch in life. Women were the backbone of the church at Philippi. But there were two strong personalities among the women in that church. And people were lining up to take sides. The third thing we learn about Euodia and Syntyche is that they were hard workers. Look at the middle of verse 3. He says, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together. He didn't say they helped me or worked with me. He says they labored side by side with me. These ladies were workers, and they were doing gospel work. Paul sees and he encourages the church to see the good in these people. Yes, they were difficult. Yes, they had problems. Yes, they were causing trouble, but they were also hard workers who had been a great help to the apostle in the work of the gospel. Now, the fourth thing about Yodi and Syntyche is they were true believers. You see, at the end of verse 3, he says, whose names are in the book of life. This means their names were not simply on the rolls of the church at Philippi. They were in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. None of us knows whose names are in that book, who the true Christians are. Only God makes that determination. Only he makes that judgment. But here Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us their names are in the book of life. You realize how big a statement that is. We know these ladies, and the others Paul mentions here in this verse, are in heaven now I wonder if King Solomon is in heaven I would guess he is it's none of my business but scripture's a little ambiguous about King Solomon maybe to serve as a warning but there is no doubt Euodia and Syntyche are in heaven The Bible says their names are in the book of life. What's the point? When there's division in a church, people tend to stop treating each other as Christians. You have a problem with someone in the church, 
okay, we'll work through it. But that person is a child of God. An elect, called, justified, adopted, and sanctified child of God. When there's a problem in our families, the solution is not, well, I'll just go find another family, emancipate myself from the one I don't like so I don't have to deal with these people anymore. Or if I could just run my big sister off, the rest of us would get along just fine. No way. These ladies are in the book of life of the Lamb of God. Now, the fifth thing we see about Yodi and Syntyche is that Paul believed they were reasonable. They were reasonable enough that he felt he could call them out on paper and get a constructive response. Yeah, there was a time Paul told the church at Corinth, kick a man out of the church. He was obstinate. Not these ladies. So you see in this passage of strengthening love, a call to unity. Thirdly, you see a responsibility to help. Look at verse 3. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, true yoke fellow, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose name are in the book of life. Now who's he asking to help these women? I think the better translation there is true yoke fellow rather than companion. He's saying we're all yoked together in the work of Jesus Christ. My granddaddy was director of a ministry in Stacesville, North Carolina, for many years. It was called Yoke Fellow Ministries. It means we're all working together. Paul calls the church a yoke fellow. We're a team of Oxen all hitched together in a common task. He says, help these women who have labored side by side with me. Work with them. Don't line up to take sides. You must work with them. Don't avoid them. Boycott them. Work against them. Talk about them. Work with them in the work of the gospel. See, the problem with these women... The same problem with the whole church. They're focused on personalities instead of the work of the gospel. Every one of us has a choice in life. We can take ourselves seriously or we can take our work seriously. But we can't have both. If you take yourself seriously, the work is all about you no matter how good it is. Wherever there is division in the church, you will find people taking themselves too seriously. I guarantee you. Paul says the solution is to get off of self and get to work. So you see a strengthening love, a call to unity, a responsibility to help, and fourthly and finally in this passage, you see the foundation of true unity. Let's read over this again. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. 
Yes, I ask you all so, true yoke fella, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. He tells them first to agree in the Lord, and then he says at the end that their names are in the book of life. Here's what's so wrong with division in the church. These people have been reconciled to God. God made reconciliation with his enemies with sinners. We are all sinners, the natural enemies of God, but Scripture said God was in Christ not counting our sins against us, but making reconciliation through the blood of the cross. God gave His own Son, did not hold our sins against us because He counted them against Him. Jesus, on the cross, was having our sins counted against him so we could be reconciled to God. Now, if God was willing to do that, to be reconciled to that person or those people, we don't jihad with in the church. On what basis can we refuse to make peace? To agree, work together for Jesus. Now we said there was one circumstance where Jesus said, put off worship. The very thing the Father is seeking, put it off. I know we've got to stop and come to the table, but look at Matthew 5. Turn to Matthew 5. I want you to see this. It's in your Bible. Matthew 5. And look at verse 23. Matthew 5, 23. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Jesus says if you are in worship with your gift at the altar and there remember you are fell out with a brother or sister, this is not the time to worship. First go, get up and leave immediately. Go make it right. Then come back. Offer your gift and worship God. Don't wait on the other person to come to you. You get up now and go fix it. 
Friends, we're coming to the Lord's table to worship Him. Scripture says we partake of one bread, one cup. We are one body. The same Jesus offered His body and blood to reconcile us to Him. As we come to this table to worship Him, are we in the right frame of heart and mind? Or do you need to go settle something before you come to this table? Think about that as we sing together the Bible song 242.